Um, this morning, we're going to look at our Bible passage for the day in a few moments. So this morning, I'd look to, like to look at two chapters uh, from the book of Revelation, particularly chapter 5, and um, for some important context, chapter 4. So please have your Bibles open or on, as whichever case it may be. Uh, Liz and I have been looking at the book of Revelation together using some really excellent teaching material from FIA, which is Frontier Alliance International, uh, along with the Monday Evening Fellowship Group. So if you're interested in finding out more afterwards, please let me know. Now these first uh, two, cha- these two chapters present us with three challenges. Firstly, do we truly behold the Father? Secondly, who really is Jesus? And thirdly, how much is Jesus worth to me? So let's look at the context. These two chapters of Revelation, chapters 4 and 5, sit between the three opening chapters in which we see John having what could be described as a reunion with Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, describing one like the Son of Man, followed by the seven letters to the seven churches. Then chapter 6 onwards, the opening of the seven seals, the trumpets and the bowls, where the sun exercises judgment upon the earth. Chapters, chapters 4 and 5 really set the foundation for the rest of the book. In chapter 4, John describes the Father on the throne. And in chapter 5, Jesus being the only one worthy to open the seals of judgment. So firstly, let's look into chapter 4. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I know you've got the NIV, but I'm going to read particularly from the New King James Version. The Father on the throne. So chapter 4. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things that must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices, Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had the face like a man and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, 
were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him, who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So firstly... Do we truly behold the Father? We worship a God who sits on a throne in another realm, who has a son who will be entrusted with judgment, which will bring an end to this present age. He will inaugurate the age to come where those who are in covenant relationship with Jesus rule and reign with him upon the earth. Jesus here sees the heavenly throne room. The Father sat on the throne with the most amazing worship going on continually. It never stops. But what does it mean to behold, to truly behold the Father? This is more than just gazing upon or observing something that's remarkable or impressive. This is to gaze upon in awe and to worship and glorify the Father with our whole being. This chapter really displays the nature and character of God. So do you and I truly behold the Father? What we read in Revelation also mirrors what Isaiah sees in Isaiah chapter 6. So let's take a look. So Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm going to read the first four verses. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So do we truly behold the Father in worship. In Revelation, the vision John sees is really beyond explanation and comprehension. It's beautiful, the angels not resting day or night, singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now you might think, wouldn't that get a bit boring? If we think that, we don't really know God 
and to behold him, worshipping and glorifying with our whole being. Those around the throne aren't looking and thinking, you're so morally righteous or morally pure. They are saying you are transcendent beyond the range of normal or physical human experience. The phrase holy, holy, holy is so much more than we think. It's just a glimpse of like watching the most beautiful sunset off the south of the island. Or as one commentator in the Golan Heights has described it, like looking up to the night sky with no natural light or light pollution, looking up at the stars and going, wow, wow, wow. The Father painted those sunsets and puts the stars in their place. But this is just a glimpse. So when we come to worship, do we truly behold the Father? Have we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, repented of our sins, and that means turning around and going in the opposite direction, not just saying sorry, and come into that covenant relationship with him? This is the only way to the throne room of grace. And this chapter should really give us a reality check on how we worship in church when we meet together. I'm personally feeling uncomfortable with worship that's more about performance and me rather than the Father. As someone who leads worship, this is something that I need to keep in check. The only way to behold God is to have repented of our sins and, to tur- and turned to God. There is no other way except through Jesus. So do we behold the Father in worship? Crying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Or are we more interested in coffee and cake for breakfast? Let's worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness and tremble before him, Psalm 96 verse 9. This far eclipses the beauty of any sunrise or sunset or even looking up at the stars. Let's behold the transcendent Father, holy, holy, holy. He's more beautiful than anything. This is the context for chapter 5. So let's take a look at chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed 
to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to open the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessings. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honour and glory and power, behold, to be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb for ever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen, and the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives for ever and ever. My second challenge is who really is Jesus? Yes, he is God incarnate. Yeshua incarnate. Yes, he was born a Jewish man and will return a Jewish king. But here we see him portrayed in chapter 5 as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, and then in verse 6, as a lamb. In verse 1, John sees the father sat on the throne holding a scroll sealed with seven seals. Now legal documents were sealed with wax that would have to be broken to loose the strings beneath them which wrapped the scroll and guaranteeing it had not been opened and then altered. Then there's a loud angelic proclamation. Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? But then John wept. No one was found worthy to open and read the scroll, or to look at it. And I can, I'm sure you can name some great heroes throughout Scripture and prominent Christian Christians today who perhaps we look up to, but they all fall short. Noah, Moses, King David, Mother Teresa, J. John, Simon Ponsonby, 
No one on earth or in heaven is able to bring justice to the earth except one. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He can open the scroll and loose its seals. He is the only one worthy to open the seals, Jesus. As John looks up, he sees not a lion, but a lamb as though it had been slain. The lion is an emblem, a symbol of strength. But John sees a lamb, a symbol of meekness and of sacrificial offering. When Jesus takes the scroll, heaven erupts in worship. This is magnification of the worth of Jesus at the end of this present age. Because he's the redeemer of every tribe, tongue and nation. Jesus approaches the throne, takes the scroll and tears open the first seal. Now you can read ahead in your own study time this week about what happens when Jesus starts opening the seals in chapter 6 and their content. But it's baffling today that so many in the church today cry out for justice on so many issues, but they aren't so keen on the judgment in the following chapters of Revelation. Jesus is the only one who brings justice and judgment, and that's who Jesus really is. He's not just some hippie-type Jesus that preaches the Beatles' gospel of all you need is love, as some church in the church portray him. Rather, he's a powerful lion and a pastoral lamb, and the only one worthy to open the seals and to execute justice and bring judgment to the earth. So in chapter 4, we had worship in song built around the Father. Holy, holy, holy. Now in chapter 5, we have worship in song built around the Son, who is worthy. Jesus is the worthy, deserving Son. We need as disciples of Jesus to understand and try and grasp the diverse excellency of Jesus' person and worth. He is a fierce lion, but also a sacrificial lamb. Jesus' mercy knows no end, but his wrath is terrifying. And his wrath is more terrifying than anything we might see on the news at the moment. This book is the revelation of Jesus. It reveals who Jesus really is. If as Christians we cry out to God for justice, we must accept that Jesus executes his justice by judgment. Sadly, certain groups within the church today only focus on the goodness of God and can't grasp the diverse nature of Jesus. So who is Jesus to you? Firstly, if you don't believe that Jesus is God incarnate, then you're not actually a Christian at all. I'm hoping no one falls into that category here today, but if you do, you need to turn to Jesus and accept him as Lord. Speak to Dozy or someone in the church leadership today. 
Some Christians do struggle and can't comprehend and sadly even reject that Jesus was born a Jew and will return a Jewish king. But when it comes to Jesus being a lion, seen as a lamb, and the only one worthy to open seals of judgment upon the earth in chapter 6, this can be difficult. I would challenge you to really dig into those two chapters and read on in Revelation into chapter 6. Because as 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 18 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Thirdly, how much is Jesus worth to you and me? Jesus is worth it. He is more worthy than anything we can lose or gain in life. Can we really say from our heart that he is better than anything and that to live is Christ and to die is gain? Is he the most valued to you? Is he of utmost worth in your life? Now, if we really want to see evil wiped off the face of the earth, we need to start praying, come Lord Jesus. Verse 8, there are golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Surely that is what these prayers are. It's the Maranatha cry, come Lord Jesus. And shouldn't be that be our cry today? with Eastern Europe, Canada, the world and our country in the state it's in. Jesus is worth crying out to in prayer. He is the only one who can execute justice and our prayers, as our prayers fill up these bowls. And as there are, is more persecution in this country against Christians, although at this point, Nothing like our brothers and sisters around the world in places like North Korea or Nigeria facing. Will we be faithful? Will we be faithful to the Word of God, the Bible, and to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Is faithfulness to Jesus and is worth something to die for? For many faithful Christians throughout the world today and throughout history, yes it is. May the Lord give us that strength and when tribulation comes to us, Lord have mercy on us where we, we haven't made Jesus the most worthy or of most worth in our lives. The book of Revelation is in the canon of scripture for a reason. It is to encourage believers when things get difficult and that we must give our whole life to the Lord in unreserved obedience. And for many Christians, having Jesus as, as the most worth in our lives may well cost them or us our life. This isn't a popular subject to speak about in church. Who would want to go through such pain? 
But aren't we called to follow Jesus? Which for many believers has cost them their lives. This surely is putting Jesus at the centre of our lives and giving him full worth. If we are true followers of Jesus, we surely must be prepared to follow him. So I ask the question again as a challenge to us all. How much is Jesus worth to you and me? Now there's so much more to be drawn out of these chapters and I've really only scratched the surface. So please go and spend time reading those chapters and the ones that follow and dig into them. They are of such enormous significance and importance at this point in history and of such encouragement to the faithful. So I leave you with the three challenges. Firstly, do we truly behold the Father? Secondly, who really is Jesus? And finally, how much is Jesus worth to me? Let's pray. As we worship this morning, we thank you that we can come into the throne room of grace by the precious blood of Jesus shed on the cross. May we truly behold the Father this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are, the Lion and the Lamb. May we be true disciples of Jesus, following him wherever he leads us and giving our lives to him. Come, Lord Jesus, come.